Hi, everyone. I am Dr. Melanie Boone, and this is Intel Noir. Um, we are joined today with my lovely co-host, um, Dr. Yaira, and then also Ethan Poetic. And so this one is uh, Resilience Unveiled, Ethan Poetic's Inspirational Journey on Beating Death and Embracing Life. Uh, our guest today is Ethan Poetic, a former three-sport student athlete whose life took a very unexpected turn. And we're going to hear from him today about his story. And we're also going to hear from him about his autobiography, which is now available on Amazon, Apple, and Barnes and & Noble, and a few other places. Uh, so what I want to do here, Ethan, is you truly have an amazing and inspirational story. And it is so great that you're sharing that with everyone. But can you tell us and tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, kind of like what happened and what led you to want to inspire and motivate others? Uh, long story short, you know, it's just a situation where I thought when I made my recovery from surgeries, rehab, start becoming a productive member of society after being on a feeding tube for several months, mm -hmm. I thought I'd just go into sunset and go for my life. Yeah. But it just didn't happen that way. Uh, I ended up working for the school in Lancaster in the after school sports programs and parents and guards had to do the due diligence on adults on who's actually working with their child mm -hmm. or, you know, someone that's in the neighborhood. Because sometimes the HR department misses things, yeah. even though a person has, you know, a clean background check. And what happens sometimes when people would just come up to me like, is this you from the car accident? And they show me that picture mm. of a car cut in half. And my name's associated with that news article, that television it, you know, footage, and I'm like, yeah, that's me. It just became a situation where I felt uncomfortable talking about work because I thought I could just come to work. I'm a former student athlete. I could do my job with the basketball, the football, the track. But I realized sooner or later, you know, things were just not going that way, and I just start becoming more and more approached by it. Yeah. Uh, the problem was, it's like it's like we bridged a gap with each other. I didn't feel comfortable talking about because I wasn't ready to be vulnerable. What I didn't understand from other people's perspective was I'm an inspiration yeah. for not only overcoming it, going through the detox of, you know, countless drugs, you know, pharmaceutical, and then to be here working with the students, mm -hmm. being a productive member of society, having a driver's license, and working. Because some people who come from a you know near fatal car accident where they escape death or overcome death, they end up choosing a bad path. Yeah. And there's not too many people like me around. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's very true. Um, so just to I know Yai was gonna hop in <laughs> with the next question, but tell me, um, as you're kind of dealing with this, I think sometimes people feel like maybe they're being helpful or, you know, they're just kind of curious because they don't encounter people who have overcome this type of thing. Did you feel like it was more um, of them trying to be positive and uplifting for you and supportive? Or was it more like just bringing it up <laughs> to bring it up? All the above. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some people were just curious. It's just when it happened. When I look back on as I was doing my research for my book, yeah, 
you know, I look back on my Facebook page, and I see all, all these people's saying they're praying for me, hoping for the best and everything. And I look at the newspaper article, I'm like, whoa, I really did blow up along with other people. Mm-hmm. It's just what made the story unique was just, I was that mathematical equation of 99% chance of death versus 1% chance of life. And I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah. But here I am. And I'm not even a wedding crasher. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. But what ended up happening over time was just, you know, my boss explained to me that I'm inspiration. I got to learn to deal with it. Yeah. And I wasn't sure what to do moving forward because I never experienced this. No one in my family ever experienced being a mathematical equation of overcoming death that I'm aware of. And I realized, you know, uh, since I'm getting all this attention, I see if I can highlight student athletes and local leaders so that when they do research me, they will find more of a progressive part of me, not a past tense. Yes. And that's what happened over time, but, you know, things still come up. But eventually, you know, one one day I did feel comfortable talking about it when it came to a lot of things. For example, I did a college internship through Millsville University at Lakeshore Community Television Station. And the guy in charge wanted to do an inspirational story about my story. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he researched me. Then there was times where a certain person, I'm not going to say his name, when he was dealing with certain um, things with his organizations and looking for prospective board members, yeah. donors, sponsors, he wants me to introduce, he wants to introduce me to them and all of a sudden he wants to tell my story and I'm like, you really trying to stand out from the other competitors in your market. And I realized someone's using my name, image, and likeness to their benefit. And that's something I didn't feel comfortable with because I thought I'd just come to this place for professional development. Yeah. And, you know, over time, when I did feel comfortable talking about it, it was a big response. Yeah. What was your greatest source of strength during recovery? What motivated you the most? Uh, a lot of things I can say. There's people visiting me in the hospital nonstop. Hmm. People visiting me at the uh, rehab place. It got to the point where we're having Bible study at the at the at the rehab place inside the visiting area after hours. Then there's times where I'm getting phone calls from people. There's times where some of the nurses let me use their cell phones to blow onto my social media. It, it was just a lot of things building up over time that looking back, you know, some things were meant to be. And there were some more things that happened along with the adversities and hardships I experienced even after the car accident. And I explain that in my book, you know, the journey of, you know, certain individuals that were not in my best interest. Yeah. Um, I, I talk a lot about that, but ultimately, you know, it's, it's, it's just a journey of understanding each layer of healing in the process, each layer of moving forward. It wasn't a situation where I'm like a anime character on television or Batman and Robin Superman, where, bad guy gets a few punches in, I defeat the bad guy and 
I'm up and at it. No, it's 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 more of a long term recovery because my body resetted itself in all five senses. Mm-hmm. And when I did make that full recovery, I became a better version of myself. And as I was speaking uh, recently at a, at a King's Elementary School in coastal Pennsylvania, some of those kids were asking me, am I scared of anything now? I said, no, I'm not. Yeah. I explained to them that when you overcome death and become a productive member of society and everything else, nothing scares you anymore. And I explained to them that the, the acronym of fear is false evidence of being real. Mm. It's not that I like was trained military or received some type of corporal punishment. It's just something that just reacts to me. Like, all right, know what to do in this situation. If this adversity comes up, hardship comes up, or something that's dramatic, I realize some of the things that we experience that we think are negative have already been experienced before. So there's already a blueprint on how to overcome it. Yeah. So I was doing like a lot of self-discovery of understanding if there's anyone in my position and then it's very rare in the world. And when I started looking at all the things that other, other people became like the pursuit of happiness with holiness, when I look at the blind side movie of Michael or some things were true, some things were not mm-hmm. where he went from rags to riches story and graduated from college. Then I look at the story of the one woman who was in, uh, her story was called, the movie was called Homeless to Harvard. And I'm looking at all their journeys and what they overcome, and I realized some of those similarities are with me. Yeah. And I realized I can do this. I can do life. I can be this person. While at the same time, I really maintain like a balance of I live my life privately and I live my life publicly because it's just, I'm seeing it in a different light in many areas. Like, for example, you know, I can say people from past generations were looking up to Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, uh, the, the guys on television. I feel like I'm in that role because... You know, when I was working with the students in the classrooms, it's just, it's very rare for them to see a person of color who's educated, overcame death, has a book out, received numerous accolades and awards that are with them inside the classroom, inside the, you know, the gym, art room, music room, on the playground, and also in the cafeteria. That's rare. You're not going to see that ever. And then the fact that, you know, here I am present and I'm looked up to as some of these kids as their childhood hero, this role model, then there's parents telling me, I want you to come to this after school program so you can see my, my child at this musical event, this sporting event, or gymnastics. And I realize, you know, there's a reason behind being requested to be at certain locations and also being celebrated at certain locations. Yeah. yeah. So I know um, most people, when they think about being resilient, they think of like, you know, you got to bounce back and you got to keep going and you got to tough it out. But I think like when you go through an experience like yours, you see resilience a lot differently. 
So like, how do you define resilience based off of your experience? Um, I'll paraphrase a, a definition. Okay. The ability to overcome a hardship, life challenges, adversities in the midst of your life. You know, for example, I'll give you practical examples like some people with mental health. Mm-hmm. They have certain things they have to overcome with certain things, whether it's a diagnosis. But I also realized that uh, the, the, the opposite of mental health is wellness health. Yeah. Like some of these diagnoses that people are getting, things can be reversed. Like, for example, if someone's diagnosed with diabetes, that could be reversed. But it's a matter of a person willing to change. Mm. Like I learned from this uh, guy when I was watching this TikTok video where he says, I'll start with the Steve Harvey quote, all men can change, but there's only one woman that man is going to change for. And if he's not changing or evolving, he may not be the one. But if he is changing and evolving, he, he certainly sees value in you. And what I learned from this other guy was, you know, what made him change and evolve was when his wife told him, hey, I see myself as your wife. Do you see yourself serving me as your husband? Now, if you don't, let's just go our separate ways and find somebody that's more compatible. Because we've been dating for so long. She wasn't combative when she said that. She wasn't nagging when she said that. She said in a calm voice, less than 10 seconds. Now that gave that man something to think about. Mm-hmm. Seven days passed and he realized and reflecting everything that even though he was a stepfather to her kids, he realized those kids are his greatest blessing. He realized this woman has done more for him in all the midst of his failures and still stood by him. And the other thing that also made him change was realizing that if you're not evolving with somebody and you're becoming stagnant, there's consequences. Mm-hmm. And I say all this say is that when it, when it comes to my situation is that if I didn't evolve, if I didn't change who I wanted to be, become a better version of myself, go from victim to victor, there's going to be consequences. Because when, you, when a person becomes a victim for such a long period, they start victimizing other people. Want this pity party. And eventually, you know, people start getting rubbed off the wrong way. But when you become a more evolved version of yourself, you start to you start to attract the right people that want to help you. Like a mentor or leaders. Uh Parents that want that feel comfortable around you being around their kids or even grandkids or invite you to certain places. Mm-hmm. And when people see my story of resiliency, they see the social media proof, they see the television interviews and one of many podcast interviews. Yeah. And when I, you know, when I'm celebrated by, you know, for example, I got celebrated three years ago with a proclamation declaration from Lancaster City Council and Mayor Janine Sirachi, a unanimous vote. I was celebrated by the school board of Lancaster with a unanimous vote to 
acknowledge my my achievements with a letter. I was celebrated by both the Democrats and the Republicans for non-political reasons with a, two proclamation declarations. I mean, not not that uh, Commonwealth Commonwealth citations. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to Millsville University from Dr. Teresa Russell Lorette, she awarded me with the Overcoming Adversity Award because people at Millsville University didn't know about my story of resiliency while I was still there. Yeah. And when they found out, they wanted to celebrate me. And I say all I have to say is that when you turn your adversities into your advantages, you may get celebrated. You may get acknowledged. The thing is, when I was doing all this stuff, I wasn't looking for it. Mm-hmm. But it came back for a circle. And here we are now. Thanks. I'm curious about like timeline wise of your recovery and your journey, like your healing journey. How long did it take? At least a year. Like the reason for the delay was a combination of an emergency surgery. I'm in the hospital for like a month. Then I'm in a rehab for a month. Then I get put on a feeding tube. And that lasted for several months. I'm skinny down to the bone. I'm skinny down to your pen. Yeah, here I am. We learn how to walk again, talk again, doing neck exercises. Depend on people who I don't even know, but are certified and licensed in their profession in medical health. Um, I did go through counseling later down the road, not court order. <laughs> It's just more for me personally about some other things. Like some of the things I realized when like my anniversary would come up, I would get emotional. Like, why am I feeling this way inside here and here? It was like a wave, like high and low. I just didn't understand because I'm not addicted to anything on the internet. I'm not excessively eating. I'm not drinking any alcoholic beverages to the point where I'm drunk or this and that. It wasn't until I did an interview about a year ago and I read the article. The key word that stood out was survivor's remorse. And once I read that word, I realized that clicked. That's why I was feeling so emotional when when the anniversary would come up. Cause I realized the two people who passed away from the car accident no longer here. The other two people are still here. And here I am, the face of the anniversary. And I'm just like looking at things from a different perspective. Like I'm not the only person who's dealing with survivors and remorse where there's parents who unfortunately have to bury the child. There's times where a grandparent have to bury their grandchild or someone has to bury their loved one or people on sports, musical events have to, you know, unfortunately pay their respects to somebody that was near and dear to them. And when I start looking at that perspective and start looking at how I continue to move forward, and it's just about it, just hey, acknowledge them and continue to move forward because that's what they would want me to do. 
You know, it's really interesting. One of the things that I admired about your story um, when you reached out and I first looked at it is a lot of times we see, uh, I'm going to call it these fast and loose, I did it, you can too. And then now I'm going to charge you money to tell you how I did it. (laughs) We see that quite often. And you were just so genuine in wanting to help and support others. Um, As you've done that, like what's been the most surprising encounter you've had or um, like the most surprising thing you've learned through all of this as you outreach to people? There's a lot of things I can say. Like, for example, when I was working directly with the school district of Lancaster, the the second time, the principal allowed the television people to come in and film me working. Mm Mm-hmm. And when I made the front page of the newspaper, I thought I was going to need a police escort to work. (laughs) And when all these teachers find out, like, what? He's in our school? And he's in the front page of the newspaper? And he's working with me? It was just like, uh uh-oh, here comes more attention. Mm. And then when they tell the students... And then when when I was working for this other company... Um, basically just filling in for people who would call off for work while still working inside the school of Lancaster formerly. Mm-hmm. There were times where, let's see, I remember the first time in the summer, this one teacher researched me. Kids are going out to lunch. She asked me, hey, this Friday or Thursday, she wants me to speak about my story for the reading and math lesson instead. So I had to say yes in a situation where it's being productive. Yeah. And then there's another time where a teacher, you know, towards the end of the day is getting ready to do this reading lesson. And actually, you know, I'm sitting in the back just serving the kids, making sure they're paying attention. Teacher puts the cards away and says, I'm going to get myself a cup of coffee. Ethan, you can speak about your story. Do you remember that poem you said about your book? I need you to read that to the kids. There's that time, and it's also just showing up at sporting events, and got kids coming up to me, hug, hugging me by the leg, and then I realize, where's a parent of garden? They might not know who I am. Yeah. So I got introduced myself to the parent of guardians. This time where I'm in the public events, it happens all over again, where you know a kid's grabbing their parent by their finger, or sometimes by their watch, telling me, "I need you to stop speak to Mister Ethan." And, you know, it's kind of like a celebrity feeling, but I always tell people I never intended for that to happen. It just happened organically. Yeah. Uh, the other surprises were just uh, people reaching out to me on social media, wanting to buy the book directly from me, where I sign it, autograph it. They pay me through Cash App, Venmo, PayPal, sometimes through Zelle. They trust me with their mailing address or P.O. Box and... Yeah, You know, they received the book within two to three days because they realized, and I realized that they rather buy it from me directly so that, you know, and the the book of the value increases in value because it becomes memorabilia. Mm. Uh, another surprise was getting a letter from Governor Joshua Sapira, Sapira, Sapira mm-hmm. uh, Pennsylvania, also being invited to the Pennsylvania State Capitol Complex to be honored 
and recognized with the Award of Excellence by Izzy Smith Waydell, uh, Lancashire City State Representative, and then uh, also recently featured on six ABC Action News covering the Philadelphia area, the city, New Jersey. That 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 really left a mark there. And what I can say moving forward is, you know, people kept asking about the audio version of my book, and right yeah. now it's available on most major platforms. The difference is, you know, instead of reading the book, I said some people can listen to something they want to hear in the morning before they do a workout. Mm-hmm. Play something for their kids. Play something that's like like a like a juvenile facility, prison, those who are blind, or parents who are on the go where they got to put their kids in the seats and they want to play it. And you know, major platforms such as Amazon, Chirp iTunes, Audible, Spotify, and others. Uh, other surprises have been people asking for my autograph, picture takings. Other surprises have included uh, being invited to birthday parties during the summertime, uh, being invited to speak at basketball clinics or camps, mm-hmm. where it's a mixture of Let's combine the sports, the education, and let's bring Ethan along for the inspiration. Uh, then it's also me starting my own business as a keynote speaker, author, mental health yeah. advocate, life coach, and many other titles I could say. Uh, the biggest surprise people saw was that I graduated college twice. Because you, you rarely see someone who overcomes a near for the car accident with death. And then to graduate from college twice, that's that's rare as it gets. What is the biggest thing you have learned from your readers? A lot of things. Answering some questions, like for example, why my parents are not there for my celebrations. Hmm. And I, you know, explain this all the time. You know, when two people, such as my parents, did not, how I say this, uh, since we're on the show, I gotta keep it 100. Uh, <laughs> basically, my dad was with a woman while he was in college. Unfortunately, she got pregnant and she dropped out and never came back from that. Mm-hmm. Then eventually, along the line, he got two women pregnant at the same time. That woman he was already with and my mom. And he denied that I was his. While at the same time, I'm just speaking hypothetically and also based on what I heard, there was a conversation between him and my mom. And, you know, when a woman's pregnant and she knows who the biological father is, a woman normally is wanting that sense of security, like you're gonna be here for me for these doctor visits, appointments. And based on what I heard and was told and hypothetically speaking, it was just speaking in a way of he wasn't gonna be committed to her. When the honest truth was he was already with somebody. And I'm not sure yes or no whether my mom found out or not. 
I just know that she was best friends with my dad's sister, and they lived right across the street from each other. So, eventually, you know, my mom does find out later down the road. And I say all this story not to judge anyone. I'm just telling you from my perspective of I was a kid, and this is what I experienced. So, moving forward, when two people have that type of foundation with each other and not able to resolve differences, two people miss on the best thing that ever happened to them, which is being a parent to someone who is inspiration around the world. And, you know, I'll piggyback on this story, which is you can bring the horse to the well, but you can't force him to drink. But if you give that horse enough salt, they'll start drinking. And what I can say to people is that, you know, I'm not the only one who's experienced this. I have an estranged relationship with both my parents due to bad choices that involve drugs, alcoholism, not willing to resolve certain things through talking. And I've already reached out to them, but ultimately I can't force someone to want to do that. And I say all that to say is I'm thankful for the support that I do receive from people such as my coaches from football, uh, track, wrestling, uh, people who played a role as a father figure in my life, started off as a neighbor to this or helping me out with certain things. And I'm only mentioning that story, whether, you know, my parents like it or not, as a sense of encouraging people that all because two people aren't there in your life or one person's missing your life doesn't mean to stop for you to not stop living your own life and your purpose. Because all, often I see people think, oh, your dad's in prison and there's this prison the pipeline thing that you should stop living your life, but that's not the case. We can look at Dante Culpepper's story where he made it to the NFL. Prior to that, he was in foster care. You can look at Randy Moss, where he was on the wrong side of the track, along with Allen Iverson. And they almost blew their opportunity to play in college. But there was people behind them that still believed in them. For example, Allen Iverson got pardoned by the governor, and his mom talked to Coach Thompson of Georgetown and begged the coach that I need my son to get out of this environment and be with you. When Coach Thompson took Allen Iverson under his wing, he played that role of a father figure where Allen Iverson started experiencing approval uh, and a man of man talk behind the scenes. And the thing about Coach Thompson's approach was he was not going to belittle you in front of the team. He's going to talk to you privately. When you look at Randy Mall's situation where he almost blew it, eventually there was this one college that was willing to take a chance on him. And he eventually ex excelled there and made it to the NFL. And Coach Dennis Green took him under his wing where he played the role of a father figure, where he gave acceptance and also helped that he had uh, Chris Carter as his mentor. Jerry Rice, 
and many others. And what I'm seeing those stories, it relates to me with being a former student athlete is that, sure, I wasn't given the right cars in some areas of my life, but when you have the right people on your team that want to support you through thick and thin and help you rise to the top of stuff in the midst of your own adversities and hardships and life's challenges, you will become a winner. Thank you. So um, as we start to wrap up here, my final question for you um, is like, so one of the things that we are really committed to doing is sharing the stories of everyday people to help others kind of face whatever's going on in their lives. So if you think about, you know, everything that you've experienced and what you've learned and shared today, what would you say are like two or three things that someone can do like literally right now, after they finish listening to this, if they are going through uh, tough times, whatever that may be. Uh, the key thing to learn is that you're not alone. Even if you feel alone. Yeah. There's times where I feel alone where I'm like, why am I in rehab? Why am I on this feeding tube? When I look back now, I realize I was not the first person to go through rehab. I'm not talking about drug and alcohol rehab. I'm talking about yeah physical therapy, occupational therapy, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I realized I wasn't the first person to be on a feed to, and I definitely won't be the last. Because most of these battles that we face mm-hmm. without mental health have already been overcame. What it comes down to is on an individual level, whether you want to do the work or not, mm-hmm. the resources are out there. Whether you want to talk to a pastor counselor, therapist, whether it's in person or online. You can also contact the 411 for mental health services. Mm -hmm. Seek a mentor, seek a life coach. Look at motivational speeches or things on YouTube or TikTok. Because social media does have avenues to help people navigate their way through life. Because we all speak differently whether it's subconsciously, straightforward, or some people speak in Braille, where they got to read things by their fingers. Mm-hmm. Then there's also some people who do more with, you know, more a talk where they're inside of a salon or a barbershop. You know, it's just a matter of identify what you need help with and ask yourself, do you want to experience a breakthrough where you can become a better version of yourself? Or do you want to get caught up in the system of mass incarceration, the miseducation? Because, you know, I listen to Dr. Umar a lot and I have his number. We keep in contact every now and then. And, you know, everyone has the opportunity to tell their story. It's a matter of how do you want to write your story and what do you want to be remembered for? Because in between that dash, whether it's on a headstone or an obituary, that's what you're going to be remembered for. And there's a lot of things I'm going to be remembered for in my dash, but but, but you have to understand the best is yet to come because I haven't become a father yet, mm-hmm. a grandfather, a husband, and, and there's still more for me to learn. For example, 
I know how to work with kids. But there's a difference between working with kids at these sporting events, classrooms, versus taking care of your own biological and legal kid at home. Yeah. Coming home to the same person that you're doing life with, with your child, your your significant other, whether it's your husband or wife or however you want to label it. And we have to understand that in the midst of our circumstances, all it takes is one phone call, one text, one email to ask for help. Uh, moving forward, if you want to contact me for a serious increase of speaking engagements or buy my book off of me and I'll sign it and autograph it for you. My book is called The Inspirational Story of Ethan A. Poetic Chronicles of Adversity, Sports, Relationships, and Resiliency. It's available as a hardcover, softcover, ebook, and new release audio version. My social media handles on TikTok, Instagram, and Snapchat is Ethan Poetic 23. Then on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, I'm Ethan Poetic. Twitter, I am Ethan V23. And again, my website is called EthanSpeaks.com for serious inquiries on speaking engagements, whether it's at your college, your place of education, organization. I'm ready to speak. I'm ready to give you the end results you want. And the important thing is we remember is that yeah. we be, we can always become well, a better thank version you so of much. ourselves. Um, we really appreciate we you uh, joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much. We appreciate you joining today. Um, for those of you who are new to Intel Noir, I am host Dr. Melanie, and I'm joined by co-host Dr. Yaira. Um, Intel Noir is brought to you by Biana Studios. Biana Studios is um, not only a sponsor, but producer um, owned by myself and then also helped run by Dr. Yaira. So Ethan, we truly appreciate you joining us um, today. We wish you lots of luck. People will be able to find all of the links to your social media, to your website, to your contacts, and to be able um, to buy the book. Um, so thanks again for joining us, and we really appreciate it. Yeah. You're very welcome. Thanks. Thank you.